Ho! Welcome to the last, the final chapter of Jerry Tales. This is Chad Sowash, and we are happy to have Jerry Crispin, the man, the myth, the legend, in this volume five of Jerry Tales. Enjoy! After a word from our sponsor. Okay, so we've already established texting is probably the best way to connect with candidates, right? Plus, Next stats show 73% of professionals are open to receiving job opportunities via text. And with a 99% delivery rate, you cannot go wrong. Those are two big reasons why you gotta love text to hire from Next. That's right, text to hire from Next with the double X, not the triple X. Next has over 8 million candidates who have opted in to receive jobs via text and you and your clients need qualified candidates. Next can help you find and target qualified candidates who have opted in for job opportunities via text. And in today's competitive market, you need an edge to reach qualified candidates faster. You need text to hire from Next. Just go to chadcheese.com and click on the Next logo to learn more about how you can gain a competitive edge with opt-in texting. Text to hire from Next. It just makes sense. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. You go to a lot of conferences, and that's putting it lightly. What is your sense right now on the health of conferences? Are there too many conferences? Are attendees, you know, getting exhausted with the number of conferences? Or just like the economy, are the good times going to roll for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think um, I think there's too many conferences. I really do, and I think um, I think people are starting to cut back. I think they're starting to think about it differently. I'm, you know, typically we see uh, companies screwing up a little bit in terms of, you know, the end of the year, they, they, they don't cut your conference budget, but they cut your travel budget. So you've got, you got money, you got money for the conference, uh, but you can't get there. Well, that's not a really good excuse. Uh, so, you know, there's that, I think there's another issue and that is the, the head of HR, the head of TA or TM, often has a budget that allows for them to do some interesting kinds of things. But they're not the ones <laughs> often who should be at the conference. It should be there the people who actually operationally have to do stuff. You know, the head of TA operations, the head of mm-hmm. TA analytics, the head of um, university relations, the head they're the ones who by and large need to have the budget for them to learn um, or to determine that there's somebody, a team leader who could learn and bring it back. Typically, if the if the global head CHRO goes to a conference that costs $5,000, he or she does not come back and share everything with the people below them. And that to me is wrong. 
that five grand could have put five people right <laughs> in a in a conference where they could come back and teach each other exactly some companies certainly i'm i'm a i'm an advocate for that right. kind of approach right, right and i believe that um that peers should be doing a lot more to help each other so one of the things that chris hoyt and i are trying to do is to identify uh in various mm-hmm. geographic locations um uh, uh groups of recruiters and and folks who are more team and team leaders and directors who we could bring together to have kind of a meetup where they talk to each other about an issue as opposed to getting some expert in somebody who's supposed to you know if you think about what experts do they they basically talk to a lot of recruiters and then put it together in a in a talk well, you know what? If the recruiters talk to each other, they don't need to spend the money on the expert. Right. <laughs> exactly. And and you get more honest, transparent, open uh, discourse uh, about real time issues. And 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 then they're more likely to engage right. each other online in a way that's open rather than uh-huh. uh, superficial. And so that's kind of. That's kind of our current um, effort uh, to give back uh, in okay. some of the areas around the country. Chris just did a um, uh, a meetup in uh, Silicon Valley that uh, one of our members into it uh, helped to underwrite and sponsor. And basically, Chris basically mm-hmm. got up and and spent uh, no more than like forty five seconds saying, "Hi, you know, we put this together so that you guys could have a conversation." Uh, end of <laughs> end of speech. Uh, go back to talking to each other, and uh, the NPS scores on that were a hundred. <laughs> you know, and that's wow. kind of what they need. They don't need to be uh, spoken to right. or taught. You know, um, pitched, uh, sold, whatever. They need to have. They need to have quality conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question from from me, Jerry, because uh, we've had you a long time. And we appreciate it. We appreciate uh, so, it. So, so on the yeah, we'll get him back though too. Uh, so, on the employer brand side of the house, uh, we know that there are so many disjointed systems. Companies are using you know early two thousand process methodologies to be able to try to slam it into to, to, to technologies instead of trying to you know, rethink how they hire. They have horrible user experience. What's the most, in, in, in everything that you're viewing in the employer brands side of the house, what is what is the most negative? What, what is bringing the most negative impact to that employer's brand today? You know, I think the biggest, the biggest problem I see with employer branding uh-huh. Because um, certainly the the folks who are fully engaged in employer branding want want to provide you know quality information that attracts folks. The, yeah. I think the mistakes get get involved in the execution more than anything else. There's an honesty that you see um, in in just a few places um, where they where they talk about you know don't come here. For you know, if you, if this is what you're looking for, kind of thing, yeah. so that they can reduce the number of people who get attracted 
um, and then and then focus on why you should come or why you might want to come to this organization. Um, there's too much customer related marketing, which tries to sell people. You know, if, if you've never tried this product, you should try it. Uh, that that's not how you should be focusing on your career. You know. Yeah. It, it, it's the old, I, th- I think the worst I've ever seen was typically among, uh, in, in the era of uh, uh, monster and career builder fighting over each other, uh-huh. was when, was basically the, the statements in those ads were, if you had a bad day, change your job, come, come to our, you know, job board and yep. find a new job. Right. Don't, don't solve your problems, <laughs> you know, go find a new job. <laughs> um, and that kind of approach is a little bit more nuanced now when you have employers who basically are trying to attract you for whatever reason, simply because you, they know you have a certain, I don't know, coding capability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's not a good reason to co to, to move from one company to another for an additional $10,000 because you don't know what the hell's going to happen on that basis. And, and so the, the, I think the worst issues right now are, are, are kind of spamming people with promises that are totally uh, outrageous. And, and too often that happens with desperate recruiters in desperate times using, using all of the tools that they have and just over overshadowing their employment branding uh, in ways that are not not very real at all. They're they're cooking the books, if you will, about the kind of organization you're going to find. Yeah, the company, awesome. the companies that you work with, how are they currently viewing uh, or, or approaching? You know, the Glassdoors, the Indeed reviews, Kanunu, Fairy Godboss. What's sort of their strategy around that <laughs> do right they, now? Do they give a shit? <laughs> they do. Is their head still in the sand? Oh no, no, their head's not in the sand. Uh, the problem is how to solve it. Uh-huh. You know, some of those. Like Glassdoor, I saw. Let me let me deal with that one. You know, Glassdoor can be criticized in a lot of ways, but obviously they they're visible out there. And um, the problem is that you know there's there's certain elements of their uh, model that developed over the years that are not not that positive. So, for example, if I don't spend money on Glassdoor someone else has more capability of using my page because it's going to be there uh, to advertise and compete with me. And so so companies use Glassdoor in many respects from a defensive point of view. Now, they really need to be able to do to use Glassdoor in a way that they can collect data that they collect, not that Glassdoor collects, to determine whether or not they're getting the value that they input. And so most of my members are split in terms of either being, quote, all in Uh for any number of reasons or trying to find a way around it. And and that's that's kind of what's going on right now. They're all aware of a number of uh, of these organizations, but they need to be able to figure out how to best fit that in or how to not use it. Right. And, and that's, that's true even of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, LinkedIn is, is a, for some companies is a crack uh, addict, a tool that uh, prevents them from using almost anything else because, you know, you 
get you if that's where you're where you can fill the put the seat body in the seat you're going to use it over and over and over until until you know you don't know how to do anything else hey that heroin drip drip is nice yeah it's it's fat it's to me it's fascinating but the <laughs> cost but now you know uh, at some point a corporation looks at their costs of each of their areas and says holy shit <laughs> maybe an rpo would be better yeah. <laughs> and and um you know the point is do you want to do you want to find yourself in a position where you're spending so much money on all of those recruiters tools that your finance folks without your knowledge go and find that they could do this a lot cheaper if they got rid of all of you. Yeah. <laughs> now that, that doesn't mean that that's the right decision. Right. It might mean that you, sh- you did not spend the time becoming more efficient and more effective. Yeah. And you don't want to put that in finances hands because they will look. Oh, and, and you should be looking at it. You yeah. should know that that's kind of the limit of what you can do. I need to be able to demonstrate that my organization, if I'm the TA leader, my organization not only does the job, but we do it more efficiently and more productively. And we give more value to the people that we're dealing with than any other way of doing this. And this, this is how we fly our freak flag. And if we gave it to someone else, they might do an adequate job, but will they will they do it with the kind of enthusiasm and engagement that we want to see shared when they come in? And that is a interesting set of questions. And for some companies, they should be using RPO more. For other companies, they should be they they should be really thinking about how they can do the best job that they can do. And I, for me, you know, my my members, uh, I only want a member who cares uh, passionately about this subject of recruiting, mm-hmm. who um, is is fully, you know, um, impelled to improve, compelled to improve, uh, has some thinking skills, so some critical thinking skills, and and more most important is willing to share with one another because I absolutely believe that peers and colleagues should be learning from one another before they go anywhere else. My brain hurts a little bit. (laughs) Jerry, (laughs) we know you're a busy guy. We really appreciate the time. Oh, this was fun. Yeah, this was fun. We we need to do this again next year or before we, we find an event, (laughs) we find an event, the three of us sit down with cocktails and then we have the same type of discussion. I'm in. Because Jerry, Jerry knows a thing or two about good bottles of wine. Maybe we could leverage that. <laughs> that's, that's true. Excellent. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho.
Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.